This morning, I want to take you on a little bit of a journey, and that's a little scary because, you know, I wear shorts and my head's not always in the right place. Some people call me mad. Um, but a little bit of journey that God's been taking me on and some things that have been going on in my mind and, and that, that, that journey and that, that, that process that God's taken me on. I want to start with uh, something that you shouldn't need to see on the screen because you should know it really well because it's, it's a logo that you, that's on the screen every week. It's been on the screen for four years. Um, it's behind us and it's a phrase that's attached to Catalyst Church. Does anyone know what the phrase is? A revolution of love. Awesome. And it's a phrase that has been there constantly. It's uh, ever since day one, in fact, before day one of Catalyst Church, it's been attached to Catalyst Church. And it's a phrase that, that I struggle a little bit with from time to time. And, and I, I wrestle with, with myself, am, am I a revolution of love? Revolution. What's a, I know, you know, I've heard of the French Revolution and American Revolution and they were pretty dramatic things that were unmistakable. And, and, I, and I look at myself and I kind of go, hmm, a revolution of love. Maybe a mild interruption of love. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of a, a breeze or, or a, a speed bump of love. But a revolution of love, I, I don't know that my words and my actions actually marry up. I don't know that I am a revolution of love. I don't know that I'm part, my family's a revolution of love or that I'm part, like there's, there's a disconnect there. There's a gap between what I say and actually what I'm doing. And this happens a lot in, in what, we, what we say and what we do. There's a number of things, there's, there's lots of things that we, we say one thing, but the fruit and our actions don't actually quite add up. So there's a gap. There's a gap between what I say and what I'm actually doing. And this morning, I believe God wants to, to say to me and to say to all of us, let's mind the gap. There is a gap there. It's not saying get rid of the gap, but mind, mind the word mind is about be aware of, be conscious of, be alert. So when you look at the train, Mind the gap doesn't mean the gap doesn't go away, but consider it. There's a passage that talks about this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So we've got thinking, but it doesn't stop there. Paul goes on. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. So there's this, there's this tension between what we've heard and you know, these good things, these things that, that we know that are true. Let, let me give you an example of them. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Matthew 6.33 My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
2 Corinthians 3.17. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, Romans 12.1. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, Philippians 4, 4 to 5. Oops. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. And lastly, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Psalm 23, 1. Who's heard all of these verses before? Yeah? Keep your hand up if you feel you're doing all right with these verses. It's a, it's, a, it's a big call, isn't it? They're all really big calls. They're all massive statements. That, and there is a gap. There's a, there's a gap between what we declare and what we say and what we... we does, does everyone believe these words? Yeah, totally. Totally committed to believing these words. And yet the reality of our situation is that we're not always living these words. There is a a reason to be concerned, to be aware of, to be alert to this gap. Um, And to Timothy, Paul mentions this to Timothy. He says, For the time will come, and the time is now here, when people will not put up with endure sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You can go on the internet and you can find whatever you want. Whatever you want to believe, someone on the internet will agree with you. And so you can seek the bits that you like, the the bits that appeal to you. You can find whatever you want to find and you'll get like-minded people that will nod and smile and agree with you. And the interesting thing I like about this is, and that's why I put the word endure in there, because put up with... It's pointing out that sound doctrine is not something that's always easy. It's not always palatable. It's not always pleasant. It does take endurance to have that sound doctrine, to, to, to hold on to that sound doctrine. And so I don't want to be, I don't want to be a guy who, who just takes the bits that suit me and I put away the rest, just, just the situations that suit me. I'll take rejoice when rejoicing is easy. But when rejoicing is hard, I don't want to be part of that. You know, all those verses, I want to make sure that, that I'm consistent with that. And so the gap between what we say and we do can be caused by a whole bunch of reasons. The first and easy one is, you know, we're not telling the truth. You know, if I say I'm going to come around your house and I have no intention to come around your house, then I'm just lying, aren't I? Um, but the opposite side of that is if someone tells me, if you flap your wings and you'll be able to fly... It's not going to happen. Even if I say I'm going to flap my wings and fly, I've just been deceived. Um, so there's some, some obvious things where there's a gap because there's, there's no chance of it ever lining up. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other things too. Sometimes we can be a bit flippant. Um, and we were talking about this at Men's Prayer the other day about wanting more. And, and sometimes we say we want more, but, but we can just throw the words out there. Um, and and um, I know in Fiji... There's, uh, there's a phrase that they use quite often, and, and many countries do it, and you'll know it. When I say God is good, all the time, God is good. It's true. 
It is truth. But sometimes we can just say the words. They just come off really easy. And we can just be a bit free with our words. And that can create a gap. Sometimes our circumstances create a gap. Sometimes sickness, time, resources, other people have committed to things and they don't come through. And, and so this, this gap between what we say and what we do it exists because of life, because of stuff um, that often we're not in control of. Sometimes it's wishful thinking. You know, at the start of every season, you ask Mark how Essendon's going to do and they're going to win a premiership. It's like, there's a gap there. <laughs> it's faith. It's wishful thinking. <laughs> and... <laughs> so, sorry? That's right, I'm an Essendon supporter. It shows how loyal I am, doesn't it? Um, but it's just wishful thinking and there's a gap there because because they, 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 you can't possibly know how the team's going to go. And, um, there's a, but the last one is the one that I think is where we want to be in a healthy place. And that is aspiring. That's where we acknowledge the reality of our situation. We're not in fantasy land. We're, we realise that circumstances change. We realise that, that things aren't always perfect. I'm not perfect. But I actually do desire a revolution of love. I don't want to be flippant about that. I don't want to talk it up like it's going to be tomorrow. I don't want to walk out of here and rah, rah, I'm excited about a revolution of love and then tomorrow it not be important to me. If I say I want a revolution of love, then that's a big statement. That's a big call. And that's a hard call to really make. But this aspiring position where we recognise the gap, we're not denying the gap, but we're actually aspiring to shorten that gap, to reduce that gap. Now, I need to put a disclaimer in here. And it's a very important disclaimer. And it's a disclaimer that actually covers every message that Mark's ever spoken and anyone's ever spoken. And to explain this disclaimer, I need a volunteer. And that volunteer has already volunteered themselves, even though they don't know it. <laughs> Kerry, could I get you up here, please? <laughs> I've got... Sorry, Kerry. Can I get you to put this on? Sorry, it was as best as I could find at six o'clock this morning. <laughs> I'm, I'm not speaking. You are speaking, sorry. It'll, it's easy. It's easy. Just play along. So, okay, um, if you know Kerry, you know that Kerry is an amazing cook, right? So I just want to present, no analogy is perfect, but this is my analogy, okay? So Kerry is an amazing cook. She's got a kitchen equipped with the right stuff to do cooking. She's got the right ingredients, and she's got amazing recipes and the talent to match, all right? And I actually know that Kerry has a brilliant yo-yo recipe. Oh, no. Yeah, um, melting moments, are they? Are they the same thing? Are they different? They're different. They're different. Okay, sorry. Now, in this story, Kerry's going to represent God, the, the cook, right? Now, Andrew's nodding and smiling, going, yep, all-knowing, all-powerful, all all-loving. Yep, this is, this is God. Okay. So I'm over here, Kerry, 
And, and I'm, I'm about to cook myself. You are in your kitchen. I've, I'm not in your kitchen, right? And I'm about to cook some melting moments. I've got some flour, some salt, and some uh, water. How am I going? All wrong. I don't have a recipe either. I don't have the recipe either. So your advice would, to me would be that I'm not doing it right. Would you recommend anything? What the, uh, sh- uh, wa- uh, water, salt and flour. Okay. So you've only got one ingredient right. Yeah. I'm in trouble, aren't I? Yes. Yep. Now, you love to cook. Why do you love to cook? Because um, I like to be able to give it away. Yeah. Yep. So how am I going to go with my cooking? Am I going to have anything to give away? No. No. I'm in trouble, right? So... In this picture, I haven't experienced Kerry's recipes, I haven't experienced her ingredients, I've got none of that. I'm in trouble. I really need an invitation from Kerry to come and teach me. Give me some ingredients, equip me, yeah? Does that sound wise? And Kerry loves it, she's good at it. And the fruit of her work is people get to experience that amazing food. But Kerry, what if I've got I've been out to Nola Melissa's and I've been playing with their little lamb and there might have been a little bit of poo on my hands. <laughs> what would you say? Wash your hands. Wash my hands. So I'm not, a pro- I'm not fit for cooking at the moment, am I? No. What if some of the ingredients I want to bring with me uh, might have poison in them? <laughs> no, can, I, can I help? No. Can, I, can I still? No, I can't no. cook. Okay. So we've got a few problems. What if... What if my recipes are really bad, like not helpful? Well, we wouldn't use them. We wouldn't use them. Okay. So we've got a problem. We've got a disconnection between the good stuff Kerry's doing and the stuff I'm doing. Okay? Stick with me. We're getting somewhere here. I'd love to help you, though. So, <laughs> so, so there's this thing in, in, the, in the spiritual picture of us in our sin. All our sin is... Is just doing my own thing. With the little ingredients I've got, I've actually tasted Kerry's melting moments, um, yo-yos, and they're awesome. And I'm trying to recreate them with a couple of little things I've got. I don't have a hope. I don't have a recipes. I don't have our ingredients. I don't have anything to offer. But I'm also got dirty hands, poison in my ingredients, and no recipes to offer. How can I possibly get into her kitchen and learn in the state that I'm in? Now, the amazing thing is Jesus is the step in the middle. And so Kerry, being God, gives me an amazing apron. Thank you. Maybe maybe we should swap. (laughs) You like the red? I like red. See, I'm washed in the blood of Jesus, so that's my red. So, so, So there's an amazing thing that happens that even though my hands were dirty, even though I was stuffing it up and doing my own way, I get to come into the kitchen and cook with Kerry. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> I get access to all these ingredients, all these tools and resources. I get her coaching, and not only do I get her coaching, she's assigned a mentor to me, right? So when I walked in the door, there was an opportunity made. And that's my salvation, right? So when I'm inside, do I want to keep bringing my dirty hands and my poison and my... I can because I'm 
clean. I've, I've got this. They've, they've all been washed away. But, but we're on the same team now. The desire is that we journey together. I learn the recipes. I use the right ingredients rather than my ingredients. I, I, I can still pull out my recipes and Kerry's going to go, Matt, that's not a good recipe. But she won't kick me out if I do. And the picture I want to paint is that when you're outside, the only way to get in is via salvation is via the grace of God. When you're inside, you don't get kicked out when you stuff it up. But there is a desire for us to work together. We're on, I do want to cook recipes that people love. I do want to taste and see that God is good. So, uh, thank you, Kerry. I appreciate that. Sorry. <laughs> I won't make you. I hope it's not <laughs> thank you very much. It's a very important distinction to make because as soon as I say, I would suggest you do, everyone goes, aha, works. Hang on. Are you telling people that if they don't do that, they're going to get kicked out? Are you telling people that, that you know, their salvation is on the line, that they, they, they should be judged and they should feel good? No, no, not at all. And, and it's important distinction to make that I'm still a child of God. I'm still in the kitchen, still cooking, even though I stuff up. But I want to be part of making awesome food that tastes good. It's not always easy. The dishes have to be cleaned up. There's, you know, steps in the recipes. There's parts of the process that aren't always fun, but I want to be part of it. And so I want to make sure that as I talk this morning and as we talk about this gap, it's not a guilt trip to go, you're a failure because there's a gap. That's not how God sees you, and that's not what I'm saying this morning. So let's keep going. One of the biggest things I think in our culture that we face that is a barrier to that gap is this, and it's not Facebook. It's what I like. So I'll give you an example. I eat the food that I like. I listen to music and watch TV that I like. I hang out with people that I like. I, have a, I, I look for a job that I like, but you know what? I'll actually put up with a job that I don't like because I like my car and I like my house and I like my weekends and my holiday. So I'll, I'll endure a job I don't like for things that I do like. And so we actually, I believe, and looking at my own life and this journey I've been talking about, a lot of my decisions are based on what? I like. And I actually think it's an addiction. I think culturally we're wired to this att attachment to like. And the church is not actually much different. So you're probably all sitting in a seat now because it was available, but probably because you like sitting there. That's where you like to sit. And I, I like particular songs, worship songs, but others I don't particularly like. And there's scripture verses that I like and scripture that I don't like. And so this attachment to like actually clouds and distorts our perception. It actually distorts our idea of significant concepts. Take love, for example. So if you think about love, it's immediately attached to a feeling. Um, in fact, if you, if you think about, uh, does anyone know the five love languages? 
Um, it's a good book, by the way. I'm not bagging the book, but all five love languages are pointing towards what the other person likes. If you look at Scripture, though, John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Hmm, which love language is that? Doesn't fit. Because there's nothing fun about laying down your life for somebody. In fact, it's not even fun receiving the sacrifice of somebody else's laying down their life for you. That's, a, that's hard to take that someone had to lay their life down for you. The second one's interesting too. Proverbs 3.12 says, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Which of the five love languages is discipline? No? So we, we actually, we have a distorted view of what love is because we attach it to what we like. And so if you love me, you'll do what I like. And if I love you, I'll do what you like. And it's a distorted picture of this. You look at a perfect example, and I'm not picking on anyone who's dating anybody, but our courtship program system culture is fascinating because you think about it, right? So you, you eye somebody off, you see that they're a bit, a bit okay, you probably like their smile, you might like their sense of humour, you might, there's little things that you like about them. So what do you do? Let's create environments like the cinemas, like the, the, you know, going out to dinner, walks on all events that we like. And guess what? We're going to like being together when we're doing things that we like. It's like, hmm, long term, how's that going to go when things aren't how you like it? We've got a problem. So all of a sudden, our whole courtship model falls over when things aren't how we like it. So this idea of like actually filters down into a lot of areas. And I think when we're honest with ourselves, and I know I've been wrestling with this, when we're honest with ourselves, like has a massive influence. I chatted to, um, I chatted to my kids yesterday, and I showed them this picture. And I said to them, from now on, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's what we're eating. What do you reckon, Josh? Yes. Yes. I got, a, I got a yum and a yeah from my kids. Now, anyone have an issue with that? Yeah, a few issues. Should they never have this? Not never. But, but is the picture twisted? But they like it. It's yum. Every meal, they're going to they're gonna have an awesome meal. They're going to come away from the meal going, that was amazing, mum and dad. You gave me the best meal ever again. What's the problem? It's not good for you. So there's a big gap between good and like. And sometimes I think we want to eat dessert all the time and we forget it's not the main course. So we've got this tension, this gap between what I like and actually what's good. And God is not like, he's good. So what God is cooking in his kitchen is good. And when we're mucking around outside with our little bits and pieces that we like, or even when we're inside cooking what we like, we're, we're not actually 
necessarily on the same page. There's a gap. And it's a, it's a dangerous place to be with this, with this concept that if, if I'm driven by what I like, then there's a tension between me and God. And there will be a gap, partly because of that. This is the story of the rich young ruler. It's in three of the four Gospels. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I'm actually going to stop there because this guy's just embarrassed himself. This, if, he, if he's a guy of influence, you don't run and you definitely don't kneel down in front of someone. And you can call him rabbi, but you don't call him good rabbi. Good is, is pushing it. Some, I read a commentary that said this guy was a bit cocky. I thought he was, you know, the Lamborghini tank top. Thought he was the, and he was putting on a show. But most people think this guy was genuine. Um, but saying good teacher is possibly buttering Jesus up a little bit. So Jesus corrects him and says, why do you call me good? Jesus asked, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honour your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all these commands since I was young. It's a pretty big call, isn't it? But he's, I think he's genuine. Because Jesus' response was, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. But the guy didn't like his response. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I don't actually think this passage is about money. I think money is a distraction in this, in this passage. The guy was young, the guy was rich, and the guy was powerful. He was a ruler of, of sorts, possibly, in the, in the temple. In the world's eyes, he had a lot to like. He had a lot to hold on to. And Jesus is saying, very lovingly, very lovingly, you've got to let go. There's a gap here. There's, there's an issue here. And you've got to let go if you want to experience what I have to offer. That's love. That's hard love. I don't know what obviously was going through Jesus' mind, but I think he knew where it was going. He went on to talk to his disciples and says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. And this is why the picture with Kerry was so important. Because we can feel condemned at this point and say, I can't bridge that gap. 
I can't make the difference. There's no point minding the gap because I'm never going to be able to bridge it. And that's not the point. The point is, you have been accepted. We've all fallen short. We've all gone in our own way. But you are accepted. What do you want to do with that? Where do you want to take that? So this isn't a message that, that has a punchy end that, that we all go, rah, rah, let's go. This is, a, this is a slow burn. This is something that as you wrestle with the big calls in your life, the big things that you hold on to, the scripture verses that God's speaking to you with, the words he's, he's pouring over you, what are you doing with those things? What part are you playing in that? What part am I playing in that? When I say I want to be a generous person, what does that look like? Do I buy my mates a cup of coffee? I like hanging out with them. What does being generous mean? What does a revolution of love look like for me? Because I believe I'm called to a revolution of love. I'm called to this church. I'm called to be part of that. But what does that look like? I don't want to be a person that attaches myself to nice ideas and things that I like. I want to be a person that attaches myself to the truth. The truth is defined. It's written. It's there for us to, to absorb, to, to consume, to, to, I guess, test. And so I don't want to be wavering with what I like and what I don't like. I want to stand firm. And I want to do that with you guys. So... I guess my, my challenge, my um, desire, is that we can journey this together, that we can keep each other accountable, that we can say, yes, we do want to be people that are a revolution of love. Yes, we do want to be a people that rejoice always. We do want to be a people that do all... There's, I could have picked many other verses. I want to be in that kitchen cooking some great stuff. And so... Let's mind the gap. Let's recognize the gap. Let's call it what it is. And let's journey together on that. I guess I've, I've realized being, from, being to conferences and things that it's great to have a motivational talk, but it fades very quickly. But as I said early on, this isn't, this isn't about a quick fix. This isn't about a, you know, let's, 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 let's ramp things up for a week. This is something that's a long-term investment and God's invested in us long-term. He's not about to throw it out um, and go, well, your week's over, you've had a chance. Andrew had a fantastic revelation, I don't know what you want to call it, on, on Wednesday morning at men's prayer. He just had a sense when we ask for more, more actually rep represents, it's a, I can't remember what the word is, what's the word? Acronym? Yeah, he, he had an acronym for it. Now it was at men's prayer, so ladies, this is the context, so it's not exclusive to men, but it was men obeying, receiving everything. And he said, well, maybe everything's a bit of a big call for you at the moment. That might be a bit too much. Maybe receiving encouragement might be the first step. 
And that's men obeying, receiving encouragement. And, and what was great about it is that not only did it fit in with what I was saying, so thank you very much, but it points out that more is such an easy word to throw out there. But obeying who, that's a little tougher. Believing that I'm going to receive everything, that's even tougher again. So it's actually quite a big call. It is a big call to make. But I don't want to make the call any smaller. I don't want to set the bar lower and say, well, how about we just have a nice social club? I can do that. I can achieve that. I don't want to water down the truth of Scripture. I want to actually keep the benchmark where God set it and say, let's aspire to it. Let's do this. Where I'm weak, help me out. Where I'm strong, lean on me. Let's push on. Let's not settle for the gap that we've got today. Let's go, God, what are you saying to us? We want to walk in that. And there's a really simple term for that. It's called discipleship. It's being a disciple. Jesus did it with his 12. He journeyed with them. He walked with them. He sent them out and they came back going, what on earth's going on here? A bit more coaching, a bit more bit more leaning into to him and what he's doing. I want to be a body that stands with each other, that disciples, that, that walks together. I just really encourage you this week just to be praying about that. And I just want to worship God. So I don't want to conclude with a response. I don't want to conclude that's between you and God over time. But I do know the starting point is to put him in the place that he needs to be in. And so I am going to declare the words that maybe are aspirational. Sam and I were chatting about um, the stand. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. What's the next line? Surrendered. All I am is yours. Big call. But I'll declare that and I say, let's aim for it. 